I'm Steph. And I'm Jeff. Each week, we review a film that's streaming on Netflix or Amazon Prime. As writers, we'll deep dive into the hook, plot, characters, and movie to tell you if it's a good story. Listen at your own risk. This review contains spoilers. Now sit back. Relax. And and enjoy Stream On. Today, we'll be discussing Better Watch Out, streaming right now on Amazon Prime. It is the holiday season. 17-year-old Ashley is getting ready to leave town, but agrees to sit for 12-year-old Luke. What starts as a night of pizza, horror movies, and creepy passes from Luke soon escalates. Will anyone live to see Santa? Better Watch Out was directed by Chris Peckover. It was written by Zach Kahn and Chris Peckover, and it stars Olivia DeJong as the babysitter Ashley, Levi Miller as Luke, age 12, the boy that she's babysitting, and Ed Oxenbold as Luke's friend Garrett. So I chose this movie because I was looking for a holiday movie, and I wanted a horror movie. I really enjoyed the film Krampus, and so I was looking for something along those veins. And so when I was researching holiday horror movies, this movie popped up as one of the most underrated holiday films. And so I was intrigued by that, why it was underrated, and it looked fun with a horror component, so I decided to give it a shot. So, Steph, what movie did this remind you of? So I chose Home Alone. I mean, it's definitely a more twisted version of Home Alone, but it has the home invasion angle to it. Uh, It has some booby traps that are like very homemade along the way, um, like a la Home Alone style. It deals with tween kids. So that's why I picked that one. And also Home Alone, of course, is a holiday film. What about you, Jeff? Well, I chose The Babysitter. This is a 2017 film. It has a very similar setup and does have a second uh, act twist, much like this one. You learn that one of the characters is very different than the uh, setup. The uh, second act, or the rest of the film, goes in a very different way. Now, one thing to add is that it has no holiday theme to it. Okay. It's, It's interesting you chose Home Alone, since this movie actually directly references Home Alone. Right. So it was an easy leap. (laughs) This film also gets into the psychosis of the Macaulay Culkin character in Home Alone. The stuff he does to the two Homa intruders is kind of terrible. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, they are trying to invade his house, though. So it's a little bit, as we'll see in this movie, it's slightly different um, when we get more into the twist. But yeah, I guess thinking back on Home Alone, it is pretty messed up all the things he thinks about (laughs) and then does to the home intruders. Yes, he is a little monster. It just happens that he has a law on his side because he's defending his home. Yeah, but he couldn't just do it simply. Couldn't just get like a shotgun out and just say, leave my property. He has to be really elaborate with how he does it because we wouldn't have a movie. Okay, so let's uh, jump into the hooks. So, Jeff, did this story grab you in the first 15 minutes or so? It did. It has a very efficient set of the characters. We 
get to see some potential threats almost from the first scene where Ashley is driving to the uh, to Luke's home and there's a mysterious black car that appears to be following her, which then turns out to be a complete red herring. We get some creepy stuff with Luke's dad. We learn that there are some ex- there. Well, there's a boyfriend and an ex-boyfriend. So there are a number of different pathways this thriller can go that are set up within the first few minutes. I was engaged enough to want to see the rest of the film. I thought the hook ended right around the point where the parents leave. At that point, we have everything set up. We understand who the characters are, and we're ready to move into the rest of the plot. So what about you? So it definitely worked for me. I mean, it introduces our three main characters, Ashley the babysitter, and then Luke and Garrett. There's a really funny exchange between Mr. and Mrs. Lerner, Um, I don't know if you remember that part, but they're just like just talking about his like cheesy holiday ties and it's just it's just good banter. Um, The parents aren't going to play like a prominent role in this, but it was just a funny banter. It it does get creepy when Ashley shows up because Mr. Lerner, Luke's dad, is really inappropriate with Ashley. Like he's hitting on her and she's she's 17 years old. She's a minor, but he definitely is a little too friendly with her in terms of like talking about her appearance we can see where maybe luke gets some of his stuff from um you also see luke and garrett having an exchange you know they're 12 year old boys and so you know they're talking about things like drugs and they're talking about how luke crushes on his babysitter and that he wants to like get with her um, sexually i mean it's it's definitely like do 12 year old boys talk like this maybe maybe they do these days i don't know but it was a lot well it does set up a theme that runs through the movie about how men are possessive of women you mentioned the father when he is interacting with ashley he first says how stunning she looks and the entire time they're in the scene together he is staring at her in a very inappropriate way oh it's obvious like yeah the movie doesn't i mean he wants her and his 12 year old son luke wants her Uh, And Luke's like trying to figure out how he can convince um, Ashley that she should be with him. Like you see that when he's talking to Garrett in the room and there's he they have this moment where they're talking about, well, there's a five year age difference. And, you know, Luke's like, it's not that big of a deal. Lots of adults have five year, five year age differences in their relationships. But the difference, of course, here is he's 12 and she's 17. And there's developmentally a pretty big difference. But you see him rationalizing it to himself that it's okay to pursue my babysitter because it's only a five year age difference. For me, okay, so Mr. and Mrs. Lerner leave, they go to their holiday party. And then we've got Ashley and Luke by themselves. And so Luke is, you know, trying to charm Ashley and, you know, make his moves and let's watch a movie together and this and that. Where things, and Ashley's trying to be appropriate and you hear her having an issue, attention with like her boyfriend, right? Or maybe soon to be ex-boyfriend at the time. And then all of a sudden, to me where the hook ends is there's this moment where there's a phone call and then there's a hang up. It's like the classic horror movie where the phone rings, you answer and then click. And then you see evidence of what appears to be a home intrusion. And Ashley's starting to get scared. And that's where, to me, that's where the movie starts moving into the plot. 
So yeah, there was nothing about the hook that really bothered me. I thought it did a great job uh, moving the story along, introducing the characters, creating some tension. And now you're curious about what's happening next with this home invasion with Ashley and Luke. Uh, So yeah, overall, good hook. I agree. It is an efficient introduction of the characters and is engaging. So I was ready for the rest of the movie. And now we get the rest of the movie. So what did you think about the plot? The plot had some twists in it, which I thought were fun. So basically, um, in a nutshell, what happens is this break-in, you know, Ashley's scared and she thinks there's a real break-in. And then along the way, you realize it's Garrett, Luke's friend, who's just basically, you know, messing with them. And they were pranking their babysitter, which seems harmless enough, but then it gets creepier because then there's another plot twist that Luke is a full on psychopath. Like he is cold and calculated and has planned this whole thing out to mess with his babysitter that he's obsessed with. So because she's resisting his sexual advances, he then starts upping the ante uh, and it gets pretty uncomfortable i mean the one thing i will say about this plot is that the director does not hold back he like puts you in some uncomfortable moments like there's one scene i would say this is the most uncomfortable scene in the entire film where they have ashley tied up and they're playing truth or dare like they're forcing her to play truth or dare and garrett dares Luke to touch Ashley's breast and he does it and it's it's you can tell how uncomfortable she is I mean the whole thing is just really uncomfortable because you're he's sexually assaulting her right but I think that's what the director wanted they he wanted to put you in that uncomfortable situation so you can see how psychopathic this kid really is and then you know the plot gets darker and darker Um, you see how the boyfriend um, her boyfriend Ricky he comes over uh, because Luke basically rigs the phones so he can call him over. He gets killed in a Home Alone-esque scene with a paint can. Then another boyfriend eventually is going to get killed. So, it, I mean, it just it, it keeps upping the ante along the way, and it never bored me. It was well-paced. So, overall, I thought it was a good plot. There are elements that I agree with. Before we get to the post-twist plot, I want to address the rest of the first act which I thought actually was the best part of the movie, at least as far as plot goes. There is a well-done escalation of tension. We see uh, an escalation in Luke's behavior. We know from early on that he is crushing on Ashley, right? At one point, he opens a bottle of champagne, starts drinking, basically showing off for her, or at least that's what we're led to believe. We also start to see evidence of something else happening. There is mystery pizza delivered. We start to see silhouettes in the windows of someone. And then eventually we get Garrett showing up, which actually was one of the problems I had with the first act is that Garrett just disappears and no one mentions him. The problem I have with that is that wouldn't Ashley know that Garrett was there from the beginning? So I don't think he was. My understanding is that 
Garrett went home. Like, so there was in the like opening, right? The hook, they were, Garrett and Luke were in the bedroom, like playing a video game. And then he went home and then eventually he comes back. He, he's like a neighbor. And then he comes back to do this fake home invasion. No, they're actually, if you, if you look at the scene, there is no break in time. So we see them sitting in the room chatting and then we hear Ashley arrive. So the whole, that whole sequence basically happens in real time and Garrett's just gone. Now, as the movie goes on, we know what he's doing, but it seemed odd that the mom wouldn't say, oh, by the way, Luke's friend Garrett is hanging out here. Oh, that's a bit of a plot hole then. Yeah. See, I just, I think I filled that hole in, in my mind that Garrett went home and because he's a neighbor and then he came back pretending to be the home invader to help Luke win over Ashley. It's one of those things, and this is why, as the movie goes on, I became uh, less and less interested in it, is that it's a moment that, at the end of the film, makes some sense, for just the reason you said. He is uh, setting up all these little, uh, not booby traps, but the silhouettes in the window. We find out there's some little device that is set up to kind of simulate a stalker right so we know he's out doing that and getting ready for the rest of the movie but as i'm watching i'm like why does no one mention him he's just gone and it took me out of it and then eventual explanation for it didn't make a lot of sense in the sense that i didn't understand why ashley at no point says where's garrett but other than that i thought the first act worked really well and then we get the, tw- the well, the first kind of twist. We have, as you mentioned, Garrett breaks in, although we don't know that. In fact, it's been set up that Garrett was shot. She thinks it's a real home invader, right? She's scared. She's hiding in the closet with Luke. Like Luke's like, I'll protect you. Yeah, I mean, she very much thinks it's a real home invader. Well, because at that time, think they think Garrett's dead. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this plot, or not not necessarily the plot, but the, well, I guess it is the plot, but not the plot in the sense of the structure of the story, but the plot as far as what Luke and Garrett are doing is fairly complex. It, it requires a lot of pieces to line up fairly perfectly to work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a well-orchestrated plan that this psychopath kid had. It relies on too many things outside the mastermind's control to happen for it to work. So you mentioned Jeremy. It's already been established that Jeremy is Ashley's Mm ex-boyfriend and that it was not a good breakup, right? But it sure seems like Luke's whole plan hinges on Jeremy coming over so he can be set up as being the killer and doing a bunch of things that allow Luke to make it look like he committed suicide. Right. I think it could have been either of the boyfriends, though, because there was Ricky, her current boyfriend, that they're a little bit on the outs, this tension, because Ashley is moving to a new town, and so it's a long-distance relationship, and he's not happy about that. And then there's Jeremy the ex, which was, as we, we just know there's some drama there, we don't know what. But I feel like he could have framed either one of them to be 
the guy that causes the murder and then commits suicide. The only problem with that is that when Ricky finally arrives about midway through act two, and this is after Ashley has already been tied up, you know, we know things are seriously wrong here, but Luke tries to get Ricky to leave because he shows up because he knows Ashley there is there babysitting and he wants to give her flowers and tell her how great she is. And he forces his way into the house. Mm-hmm. If he had just said, fine, I'm going to leave the flowers here and take off. That kind of ruins the entire plan, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he would have had to think on his feet um, about another plan. But yeah, I mean, some of this, of course, is to move the movie along and make it interesting, right? I think your point is that there's too many coincidences that work out in Luke's favor. It reminded me of Batman v Superman, actually, in the sense that in that movie, if you break it down, Lex Luthor's plot to get these two characters fighting has like 87 steps that all have to happen in the same order or in a correct order for the whole plot to happen. Now, this isn't that bad. I'm not saying this is that level of ludicrous. But by the end, there are some coincidences and people behaving in very specific ways for Luke's grand plan to come together. I mean, I would agree with that. I guess it didn't bother me, though, because of the type of movie it is. Um, I mean, it's a horror movie, and horror movies often have these kind of, you know, written in coincidences to get their characters moving along in in the storyline. So I, I guess I, I, it was okay for me in the context of the type of film it was. I mean, I do see your point. Okay, so those plot issues aside, right? And I agree with you. This is a thriller. You have to have the evil masterminds plan work or your movie's 20 minutes long. My big problem with this movie, and it's something that is, to me, is an integral part of the plot, is that once you have your big twist, which is Luke is a psychopath, I don't feel like the movie offered anything else. It seemed to me a fairly by-the-numbers slasher movie. That's what it struck me as. It's like the, you know, the fact the killer is a little kid is interesting, right? But not the first time, clearly. I mean, you can go back all the way to the 50s with the bad seed. After that reveal, I was like, okay, where do we go with this? What's the next part? The one thing I wish they would have done more with, and I'd mentioned this when we were talking about the hook, and I'd actually like to get more of your thoughts on this, is this whole notion of Ashley as possession. That the movie definitely is looking at how men view women. Right, especially men that are more on the narcissistic side. I mean, obviously this kid, a psychopath, like extreme form of narcissism, how they don't see women as full and complete human beings, but more as objects that they should be able to own. And if they can't own them the way they want to own them, then, well, in this case, he's just going to kill and go psychotic. Um, Yeah, I mean, but I don't think this movie was meant to be a treachise on feminism or women as objects. I mean, this is, I guess for me, yeah, sure, some of the plot becomes just sort of formulaic. It's a horror movie with some thriller elements to it set in a holiday with holiday overtones. 
but it was just to me it was fun like it wasn't meant to be a deep thinking movie um i didn't go into this analysis of what happened in this kid's life that made him a psychopath like in a different type of movie i would i'd want to know well how did this kid become so bad right but in this movie i didn't care because that wasn't the point of the movie it was it was just the point was to see what this evil kid was going to do to this babysitter and to her boyfriends um, and to Garrett, his supposed friend. And was he going to get away with it or not? And who was going to end up alive at the end or not? And set against this fun holiday backdrop. And I agree with you in the sense that this movie wasn't set out, setting out to do anything really interesting or new. And I think that's my problem with it is that, this plot, once we get past the twist and a really good first act, doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, you do get a redemption arc with uh, Garrett because Garrett, the friend who has basically just been going along the whole time with what Luke wants, eventually realizes, wow, this kid is purely evil. This has gone way too far. Like, especially after Ricky is killed um, with the paint can swinging down on him from like very like slapstick out of home alone um, moment where he's like tied up in a chair and the paint cans thrown down it hits his head and yeah misses him the first time and hits him and he's killed um he realizes oh wow this has gone way over the top he learns that his hamster was actually killed like in cold blood by Luke um, and that it, this is not just a prank and helping him get um, his rocks off of the babysitter. So he wants to try to help Ashley and escape. And unfortunately he gets killed, but you do get that redemption arc for Garrett, which I liked. Um, so to me that added something to the film. The one problem I have with the plot, it's really the only major issue I had with the plot in this type of movie was the Ricky kill scene for me was not scary. Like this movie was meant to have some scary moments and it was too home alone. It was too comical with a paint can swinging down to kill him. And I wanted more suspense, more struggle, trying to get away. Like, like it just, it was, it was a suspense of one paint can swinging and missing him. And then the second one swinging and hitting him and, like hitting his head and just yeah blood and yellow paint everywhere and I just that took me out of it a bit because it was too slapstick for this movie I don't know what your thoughts are the film can't decide on a tone Hmm. there are moments that are pretty dark you mentioned the sexual assault right yeah it's uncomfortable to watch right we have some kind of gruesome kills they're not particularly graphic but, you know, there are some violent moments in this. There are definitely moments where it seems to be veering into a more serious kind of horror movie. But then you get some stuff, like you said, that seems kind of slapstick. There is a really weird kind of risky business homage near the end where Luke is sort of dancing around as he's setting up the murder scene. It was one of those films I was like, please pick a lane. Are, are you a twisted, you know, John Hughes movie? Are you doing a lighter version of Saw? Is this supposed to be just fun horror movie? It seemed like the writer wasn't really clear what the film was supposed to be, what we were supposed to feel about it. 
I mean, to me, it was it was a horror movie with some comedic elements to it. Like, I actually really enjoyed that scene when he was dancing around in his Christmas sweater, cleaning up his murder scenes. Yeah, it was dark, twisted humor, but it was still funny. So I think, to me, the, they were trying to do a holiday horror with some comedic elements, is what I took. Which actually leads me to at least my last question about the plot. And this is actually more about the whole film, though. Did setting it during Christmas have anything to do with the movie? I mean, not really. They could have set it in another time of the year and had the same film. I think they just wanted to set it that way to have a holiday feel to the film with the snow and like the blood in the snow. But yeah, it didn't really add a huge amount of value to have it be during the holidays other than backdrop. There are definitely movies set during Christmas that really leverage either the iconography or the tone of the season, right? You had mentioned Krampus, which clearly has to happen at Christmas. Sure. It's about the anti-Christmas. Evil Santa. There's a, a episode of, um, what was it? Uh, Tales from the Crypt, which is about a psycho Santa Claus menacing this woman and her daughter at home during Christmas. And the daughter at the end of the episode opens the door for this axe-wielding maniac because she thinks it's Santa Claus. But there it's like, yeah, that kind of plays off the images and the expectations for the holiday. This, it could have been Arbor Day. To me, the, the holiday didn't mean anything. No, it was definitely just backdrop to just have some you know interesting moments like there was one where there was carolers um that came to the house and they were singing and luke is like looking all sweet in his christmas sweater like listening to them sing while like you know people are tied up in the next room right so i mean there was moments like that but it was backdrop it wasn't essential to this film um so Let's get into the ending then. Jeff, what are your thoughts about the ending? Did it wrap up nicely or did it leave you wanting more or just meh? After just complaining about the plot for the last 15 minutes, I actually like the ending. I like the scene where we see how everything was set up. Yeah. I had some issues with the tone of it, but actually demonstrating how this entire plot was put together things that we saw that as you're watching the movie you're like wait what's happening they all make sense by the end yeah like all those little traps and devices and like a i think he has like a standee in the window of some dude right it all makes sense so i i like that and i liked ashley surviving i like the way that was done I liked her little flicking him off, you know, as she's being put in the ambulance. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the ending as well. Um, you have a final kill scene with um, Jeremy. That's the ex-boyfriend who comes over. And you can see he's a bit of a douchebag just by his mannerisms. <laughs> like the classic douchebag. His hat's like backwards and he's just very bro. And But anyway... It's a, it's a fun kill scene where Luke has him write an apology note. And you as the audience know this is not going to go well, that Luke has something up his sleeve. And then he rigs it so he, he ha has him hanged and, and, and then makes it look like a suicide note. And then, yeah, quickly then does his whole crime scene cleanup, uh, which works really well. Um, so I thought the Jeremy kill scene was much better than the Ricky kill scene. Would, would you agree with that? 
No. Oh, really? No, you didn't like it? Well, the problem with the Jeremy Kill scene was something I already mentioned, that a number of things have to happen for this fairly meticulously planned uh, mock suicide to work. He literally has to be sitting in a spot where there's a noose connected to a tractor that Luke can then use to hang him. And that goes back to my issue with the plot, as in Luke's plot, is that it's all kind of cool, but once you start to poke at it, it's like there are so many things outside his control that have to happen for his plot to work Mm -hmm. that it's hard to suspend disbelief. Of course, we're talking about a movie where you have to assume two 12-year-olds decide to go on a murder rampage and accept that. So I guess you can accept an integrated plot as well. Right. You're suspending disbelief in a couple of ways with this film. Um, and, and I do think that the way they set up Luke to be this really smart psychopath that calculates and thinks things out way in advance is he could have figured out how to frame Ricky if the Jeremy thing didn't work out. There's also like the attempted escape scene at the end with Ashley and Garrett um, and the and the scene where he kills Garrett. I thought that went well also. Yes and no. The no part was the fake out where it looks like Ashley has escaped, right? Mm-hmm. Gets over the fence and then gets beamed by a rock and is dragged back inside. And there's a bunch of carolers, carolers like across the street and no one is, notices any of this, which actually was one other little problem I had with the movie. And this is minor, but I'll bring it up now is that I think it would have helped if the house was shown to be more isolated versus in a more suburban neighborhood. Right. It's there are a few times I was like, how is no one hearing this? Why is no one just running out the freaking door? I mean, they take care of some of that. So I'm not trying to say that's not addressed at all. Yeah, the carolers, they're singing so loudly. You're just not hearing some of this stuff. I guess what I would have liked was to demonstrate more isolation so that Ashley really just can't escape. And it doesn't rely on her getting away, running around the side of the house, and Luke just managing to beat her in the head with a brick. Maybe that's why they said it at Christmas because there's the idea that a lot of people are out of town and so there's less people around to hear the shenanigans going on as well as these loud carolers that are singing so merrily that you can't hear the murder happening in the house. <laughs> Maybe okay, that was fair enough. Fair Peckover's enough. Uh, idea of why he said it around Christmas time other than just having it as a backdrop. Um So, yeah, and then the cleanup job, like you already mentioned, was fun. The dancing around, seeing all of the things that he had to line up to make his scheme work uh, with the cell phones and everything was interesting, how he framed Jeremy. And then the final scene was fun, right? We see Ashley is alive. She survived using duct tape, but she can use duct tape for everything. And then the parents come home. And of course, they think their son is a little angel. And they're just like, like he's been traumatized and they're comforting him. And then he hears that Ashley survived. And like the final scene is like, I'm worried about Ashley. I'd like to go to the hospital to check on her. And then credits. (laughs) 
which is great, right? It's, it's, it's that classic, like, dun, 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 what's going to happen? Uh, are they going to figure out it's Luke or is Ashley going to somehow end up murdered in her hospital bed? So, or, you know, she passed away from her injuries right. thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, there wasn't anything about the ending that didn't work for me. I felt it tied up all the loose ends it needed to for a succinct story. Since you had asked earlier about the Jeremy kill versus the Ricky kill, right? In addition to what I already said about Jeremy and all that, the Ricky kill was just tenser. And it was, I thought it was better staged and just a little grimmer. And I actually like that because you really get this character, Ricky, who we've actually gotten to know a bit. And we've seen that as opposed to what we may think at the beginning of the movie, he's not a terrible person. Because there's that whole moment um, when Ashley and Ricky are tied up where he's just saying, I just want to wish you well, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's sad that she's leaving and moving to a new city. And that, and that was a good moment to humanize this character. So I actually had a bit more investment in what was happening to him. Jeremy shows up and is almost immediately killed. Yeah. He shows up late in the game. So you don't really care about him much. But I would say I agree with you in general. The ending was tight, did what it was supposed to, and was a good way to end the film, left with a good feeling at that point. So what did you like the most about this movie? So the thing that I would say I appreciated the most is I enjoyed the double plot twist that the movie had. It had first that it was it's not an actual home invasion. Plot twist number one is it's a boyhood prank. And it's Garrett and Luke that orchestrated. And then the plot twist number two, of course, that, oh, wait, Luke's a full-blown psychopath. And he is going to either possess Ashley or destroy her and everyone around her. Um, So I thought that was well done um, and had enough surprises in there to keep you interested in the movie. What about you? I like the first act. I really did. I thought it was... A very nice, efficient setup for the characters. Um, create a number of potential plot threads for the threat, right? Who's going to be the bad guy? Does a nice kind of twisted John Hughes, you know, pretty in pink, 16 candles kind of relationship between Luke and Ashley, where we see how creepy Luke's attitude towards her is but it's still in a way that's not crazy it's just the little kid who likes the older babysitter right and it builds up the tension you know with the phantom pizza and the creepy shit and the windows and all that very good first act unfortunately let me down you know after that twist started to kind of fall apart for me so what did you like the least so I picked the Ricky Kill scene. Um, it took me out of the film. It was too Home Alone with a paint can. And for the darker tone that this movie had overall about the psychopath kid um, who you know, also sexually assaulted his babysitter, like I, I think that should have been a more a darker kill scene to fit with the tone of this movie. For me, even though I spent a lot of this uh, episode complaining about Luke's plot. That's actually not the thing I like the least. I just found that after the plot twist, where we get the reveal that this is all orchestrated by Luke and what his real intentions are, it 
didn't do anything new. It was just a very by the numbers kind of thriller slasher movie. And by the end of it, I was just like, okay, I've seen better killer kid movies. And this was all right, but just didn't really do anything for me. What would you say, just curious, since you said you've seen a better killer kid movie, what what movie would you say is better? I would highly recommend the 1956 version of The Bad Seed. It has great acting, is extremely creepy. I highly recommend checking that out. To me, that is a much better movie. Okay, cool. Um, well, let's give it our final panda rating. So I liked this movie more than I thought I would, which may be contributing to the rating that I gave it, but I was, I surprisingly enjoyed this film. I thought it was going to be more mediocre, uh, but I gave it a four because it didn't bore me. I was enjoyed throughout the film. It's not a perfect movie. Like it has its moments with yes, the prosaic like paint by numbers towards the end, the slapstick kill scene. But overall I found it for holiday movies to be enjoyable, a little dark and twisted, which in horror movies can work. Uh, it was well paced and told a succinct story that wrapped up all of the major plot points. I gave it two and a half Santa hat wearing psycho pandas. To me, it was just a very average uh, horror movie thriller. You know, it, it didn't do anything particularly terribly, and it didn't do anything particularly noteworthy. It's just an average film. There are better films. I already mentioned The Bad Seed. There are better holiday horror movies. I mean, you had mentioned Krampus. I would highly recommend people search that out. This was fine. I mean, I don't feel like I wasted my time watching that. It was entertaining. It just wasn't anything special. Okay, well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to Stream On. Join us next week when we'll be reviewing Anna and the Apocalypse, currently streaming on Amazon. Stream On is a production of Steph and Jeff Wright's Media. Reproduction of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. All rights reserved. 2020.